Thanks for tuning in here for this episode. We're talking on Friday, November 19th, 2021. It's a little over two weeks since election day. We're continuing to break down the results of the elections and to look ahead. There are a lot of developments happening in New York politics at the state and city levels. It is really quite a time as we wrap up eight years of Mayor Bill de Blasio, look ahead to a new mayor, a new city council class, many other new elected officials. We've, of course, been discussing on this program and elsewhere and covering at Gotham Gazette, the transition from Governor Andrew Cuomo to Governor Kathy Hochul and all the developments happening at the state level. There is a lot going on. We've seen candidates jumping into the race for governor, the race for attorney general of the elections that are happening in 2022. Those June primaries are right around the corner, so a lot going on there. One of my most recent guests on the show, public advocate Jamani Williams, just won a full term as public advocate in this year's city elections. And then very quickly after winning that election and after talking with us here on the podcast, declared his run in the gubernatorial primary that's happening in June, of course, on the Democratic side. And we've also been paying a lot of attention here on the show, and that includes this conversation on this episode about the race to be the next city council speaker, an immensely powerful position, incredibly important, but it's not one that voters decide. It's one that's decided by the members of the city council. That vote will happen in January when the new city council class is seated but there is a lot of jockeying and campaigning happening right now here in the fall and into the winter of 2021 as we see who the next leader of the council will be. So we've been talking with a number of the city council members who've been winning re-election or winning election and have been trying to become that next speaker of the council. And that continues here with my guest this week. I'm happy to be joined by city council member Francisco Moya, He's a Democrat who represents the 21st Council District in Queens. That includes East Elmhurst, Jackson Heights, Lafrac City, and Corona, where he's uh, born and raised. And he is a candidate for city council speaker. So a lot to talk about here with Francisco Moya, but we have a fairly short amount of time with him here today, but we're excited to, to chat with him. Before I get to Councilmember Moya in just one second, please do check out our latest reporting at GothamGazette.com. We have been covering a lot of the developments in city and state government and politics and a lot of important stories there, including a number of stories about mayor-elect Eric Adams and what he's planning and promising to do as mayor. Transition period happening right now, and he will be taking office very soon on January 1st. So check out that reporting and much more. And I mentioned talking with Jamani Williams recently here on the podcast. As I said, I've also spoken with a number of the other city council members who are looking to become the Speaker of the Council. You can find all of those episodes and many other interesting discussions with city and state elected officials, appointed officials, uh, advocates, experts, and so on at Max Politics, wherever you get your podcast. And we have all the episodes at the Gotham Gazette website too, of course, if that's where you prefer to listen. All right, enough from me here. Council Member Francisco Moya, how are you today? I'm doing good, Ben. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining me. Uh, Really excited to talk with you. So let's jump in a little bit about your work at the council before we talk about anything with the speaker race. Um, You have been chairing this subcommittee on zoning. People hear the word zoning. Sometimes they don't know exactly what that deals with. But this is one of the most important committees or subcommittees in the council because you're dealing with these really important land use matters and changes in the zoning rules. As we get to the end of the term here, there's some big stuff coming through your committee. 
whether it's this blood center on the Upper East Side or the Gowanus rezoning, the Soho rezoning, how are you approaching that work uh, and dealing with with these major projects that are coming through your your um, committee? Look, I, I think that for the last uh, close to four years now, as as chair of zoning, we've seen um, what has been working and what hasn't been working for uh, our city. Right, um, we're a city that is facing a uh, huge housing crisis. Uh, we have a a huge homelessness crisis that's uh, facing our city. Uh, we've seen uh, through these rezonings uh, how we need to really change our process and how we uh, uh, tackle the land use issues uh, facing our city. It's one of the things that I'm looking forward to uh, working with um, the Adams administration coming in here because uh, I believe that we have a very flawed MIH uh, program uh, that was started by this administration. Um, I think that the MIH program uh, should be the should have been the floor, not the ceiling of how developers come into our communities um, and really bring in true affordable housing. Um, we have to really uh, uh, tackle the, that that issue um, because it is one that has not um, worked very well. We have to look at and legislation that I've uh, put through about. Uh, sort of the displacement that has taken place in our city and in neighborhoods that have gotten gentrified through neighborhood rezonings. Um, the legislation that I have in here is because of what I've seen uh, in the last uh, few years uh, with the approach that the, the administration has had. We have to be able to uh, take a look back at some of the rezonings that already been uh, approved uh, and have been uh, looked, uh, have been, it's already been built here and see whether or not it has triggered uh, a certain percentage of local residents that have been displaced uh, because that's what we have seen. And when you go through the, 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 the big projects that have come through this committee, uh, Jerome Avenue, Inwood, um, uh, uh, look, Blood Center that we're doing now, uh, we we really have to uh, change our approach on how we're handling the uh, redevelopment of New York City, uh, and it, I believe that it comes with a a fresh new look at how we are tackling our housing crisis here. Mm-hmm. And uh, are, are there any rezonings that you've seen, whether whether in your time as chair of this committee or things that are coming through now, like Gowanus, for example, or Soho? Um, are there things that you point to that you feel like are pretty close to the model that you think is is the right balance? Or are you talking about, you know, we really need to reinvent from the beginning how we do these things? Or are you think thinking? We, yeah, no, because I think we really have to look at this from a, from from a much uh a bigger approach here, right? Um, because we can't compare a spot rezoning in a local member's district to uh, the Gowanus neighborhood rezoning uh, to like a blood center rezoning. Like there is a lot that needs to, to, to come into play. It really has to do with revamping some of the um, uh, uh, practices that we have put in place here uh, to solve that problem. And, uh, I, I think we're seeing more and more how um, communities are organizing uh, around the development that has taken place in New York City. Uh, I'm not here to tell you that all development is bad. 
Um, but what we have seen in different communities is that when development comes in, there's not much input from the actual community uh, of what they want to see here. Um, so I think that there's a lot of changes that need to be made at the city planning level. Um, and then working with an administration that is also going to look at how we administer uh, uh, our affordable housing programs uh, with HPD uh, moving forward. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm, these discussions are very complicated. And as you point out, no two things are alike. And, and the blood center on its own is its own sort of unicorn project. That's right. very different than these neighborhood rezonings, but even the neighborhood rezonings have a lot of differences. And sometimes there's some similarities, but um, from where I sit, I look at a number of these neighborhood plans that have come through the de Blasio administration. And obviously um, we're just starting to see with Kiwanis and Soho, their attempts to upzone. Uh, wealthier, whiter areas of the city. Almost all of the neighborhood rezoning so far have been in lower income communities of color. I understand triggering some of your concern that you're talking about, but almost all of these have been, you know, fairly long processes where there is a lot of engagement. Maybe it's not the right type of engagement from your vantage point. Um, But, but I guess what I'm, what I'm curious about when you say, you know, Obviously, we need to grow. There's, you know, not all development is bad. Is how you strike that balance, and 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 what your perspective is, especially if you're going to be potentially become the next city, uh, city council right, speaker. Right. Is yeah. yeah. I say. I mean, didn't mean to no. Go it. ahead. No, I, I think you get the gist. I mean, is the question of how do you grow as a city, uh, create the housing, you know, that the city obviously needs more of, avoid displacement, but not have. Uh, you know, this Gowanus rezoning is like a decade long project, you know? Right. Uh, well, look, I think, you know, also Gowanus was delayed. A lot of these projects have been delayed yeah. because of COVID, right? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, 18 months of this, you know, this is why this committee has been so busy. Like, uh, I, I, I joke because at a minimum, uh, every one of my hearings are uh, seven hours at a minimum uh, because oh, yeah. there is so much. Uh, engagement, which is which is good. We want we want New Yorkers to get involved in what's happening in their communities. Um, but I also feel that um, what what we need to see, and it, it happened when we were we were discussing Inwood, right? Um, there's a lot of things that that go on that uh, I'm not in agreement with this administration. Um, back then, I even called for a moratorium on on neighborhood rezonings until we can actually, you know, uh, uh, look at whether or not there was secondary displacement uh, in the communities that were impacted by it because they were in communities of color. It was it was uh, uh, something that was having a, a great impact on, on the city. But I think moving forward, Ben, like we really have to look at uh, the, the parcels of city-owned land that we have, right, um, where we're able to bring in 100% affordable housing, where we work with uh, uh, the the developers to also help us when we need to be building supportive and transitional housing in communities that need it so that we uh, can help avoid the uh, families or the individual that will not be able to be housed and prevent them from going straight into the shelter system. Um, and this is how we have to start looking at how we rethink uh, our affordable housing models in the city of New York. 
Um, look, I, I, I can give you the example where uh, even for me uh, in my area, I completely changed the project that was already going into Willits Point. Um, it is the last bastion that we have where uh, we can actually bring in um, real affordability. I changed that to having it 100% affordable housing um, where we're bringing in also the resources that we need to create uh, a neighborhood here and an infrastructure that will help a community grow uh, at the lowest AMIs. Uh, and that's one of the ways that we really have to start um, rethinking how we view uh, our development and bringing in uh, real affordable housing to New York to prevent uh, displacement and to prevent the uh, families and individuals that would normally not have uh, uh, supportive or, or transitional housing available to them that would force them to go straight into a shelter system. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have uh, been among those who decided to uh, basically override the local council member, Ben Kalos, on this blood center project. Um, there was a letter uh, from the city council's Black, Latino, and Asian caucus basically calling on you know the parties involved to get to yes and uh, your committee has decided to to push the to move the project through the full council will soon vote on that maybe by the time people are listening to this that vote has already occurred but I've also heard you say and seen you say in in, in interviews uh, and commentary that you know this is a fairly unique case because it has such citywide impact this big project that relates to public health it relates to jobs etc. Um, do you see this issue of member deference when it comes to things like neighborhood rezoning plans that do that also have huge citywide implications if you're rezoning a big swath of the city to create more housing, create more you know economic opportunity, et cetera? Do you see any shift on the member deference issue when it comes into the next council, especially if you're speaker, or is this a very, very, very unique situation with the blood center? Well, I think the blood center is uh, what is really going to begin to start the conversation about this, right? Um, I think we saw this in some of the uh, uh, different um, uh, rezonings that took place uh, at the council. But I think for me, you know, my main point has always been this, is that, you know, uh, the local council members are really uh, are often the best in, in the best position to make the decisions about uh, new projects that are impacting their community. Um, but we have to look at the projects that benefit the city's economic, uh, cultural, and, and housing goals. Um, if if we're seeing projects like that come through, we have to take a closer look, right? Uh, and that's where the speaker, the, the chair of the land use committee, uh, the zoning and franchise committee, and others uh, – like we'll weigh in the 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 blood center debate uh, is one that is uh, the needs of, of of New Yorkers actually outweighing local opposition. Mm-hmm. So I think like we have to have a system that respects our local members on uh, certain projects such as spot rezonings in their district. Like we would not get involved in something like that, uh, but. During and and what we're facing right now in the current economic uh, and housing crisis that we have, any project that is uh, benefiting our entire city uh, needs to be considered by a larger group. Um, And I think that that is an important thing for us to look at um, as we move forward uh, into 
a new administration with the Adams administration and a really a, a, a brand new council um, with close to what 38 new members coming in here. Uh, so for me, it's important that we distinguish the two things. Like we, we would not be getting involved in uh, overriding a spot rezoning in someone's district. But when we know that there is a, a housing and economic impact for the entire city of New York, uh, we have to take a, a deeper dive into that um, than just what the local opposition may come um, with. In that vein, should the council have approached the industry city rezoning differently than deferring to Councilmember Menchaca in such a way that the project was killed? Is that something looking back on it that you think the council should have taken a, a different tact on? Look, I think we've we've should have done that. And I look what the New York Times said today. Right? Uh, I don't know if you if you read it, but uh, in particular with the Blood Center, right? Uh, they're they're calling it a sound investment in New York. Uh, it's time for political courage. Uh, the the Times said that the Blood Center played a key role in the city's health and, and ecosystem. You know, this is why I think it's really important um, that we take uh, much uh, of a uh, broader approach uh, to projects that uh, have real economic impact on our city. Um, I believe that you know, as uh, if I have the 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 opportunity to 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 be speaker, is that uh, I look to really create the system that that continues to respect the local members, defers to them on 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 their spot rezonings in the area. Um, but like I said, um, I I do believe that um, when it comes to the um, larger part of the impact that it may have on, on our economy and our housing crisis, uh, those projects uh, are ones that we have to take uh, um, consideration by a much larger group um, in the council. When you are speaking with those many, many incoming new council members, uh, you're one of a smaller group of returners here, and, and many of those returners are uh, have their hat in the ring right now to be the yep. next speaker. But when you're talking to those new members uh, or even some of the returners, uh, maybe those that aren't running for speaker, what's your pitch to them about why you should lead the council and why you should get the uh, support of your colleagues to be the speaker come January? How do you frame it in, uh, you know, what might be a a brief conversation in Somos or somewhere else? Um, What's your what's your pitch? Look, I, I think it's been just really uh, great uh, meeting with the, my new incoming colleagues. Uh, regardless of the speakership, we're going to be working together. And it's um, something that I pride myself on of like really uh, building relationships because we're going to be working together here. But look, we, we are a city in crisis. And uh, to me, I think that what I bring to the table is uh, my experience uh, over a decade of uh, working both at the the, the state legislature uh, and here at the city council. Um, you know, I'm somebody that has really been able to, you know, fight for uh, a city budget. I think, and this is what I would uh, continue to do as speaker is to fight for a city budget that reflects our priorities, uh, that reflects the diversity uh, of New York City. Um, and I have been able to build uh, a really broad coalition uh, of members that, uh, you know, uh, have worked with across the political spectrum, um, both in the state and and in the city. Uh, and really it is to 
uh, help empower the new members as well, right? Um, this has to be a very member-driven uh, conference, um, and it is to really provide them with the uh, support and training that really helps ensure that they have uh, a budget uh, that they can uh, be proud of and one that is able to uh, bring back the deliverable, the, the deliverables that uh, they want uh, to bring back their, to their community. And uh, I, I really, I really believe that it is about uh, the experience of, 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 of working through some very difficult uh, economic times that we will be facing uh, and be able to help uh, my new colleagues uh, in getting through that process. And uh, I'm a firm believer that, you know, as speaker, you, you, you have to take the hits for, for, for your members, uh, but we also have to provide them with the proper support system um, to help them get through this. And look, we have to run a, uh, for re-election again in two years. Um, so I think it's really important that um, we have a very strong uh, budget uh, so that uh, they can really bring back uh, uh, the uh, programs and, and initiatives that they care about to their district uh, and letting them know that it's, it, it is about truly building uh, upon the uh, broad political spectrum of support that I've been able to, to, to bring together um, in over a decade of, of, of being a, a legislator, uh, that they have a voice. Uh, that this is not a uh, sort of authoritarian style of governance. Uh, mm. I am about building a very robust uh, agenda that is reflective of the 51 members uh, that uh, earned the support from their communities and that sent them to City Hall to fight for those issues. And I want to be as supportive to them uh, with that as possible. And it is really about... Uh, building a, a strong kitchen cabinet of members that come from very different spectrums of our political world um, to help share insight on, on, on uh, issues that they care about uh, and know that uh, we can formulate uh, a, a real uh, agenda that uh, reflects the priorities of the members that will be coming in here. Uh, listeners to this show uh, will will know that um, in some of my conversations with your competitors for this post, who I know you mostly have good relationships with as colleagues or, or maybe all, um, you know, different people are sort of lining up different allies in this in this race. For example, uh, your fellow Queens Council member, Adrian Adams, said that uh, the county chair, Representative Gregory Meeks, is firmly behind her candidacy for speaker. Uh, Gail Brewer, who's coming back to the council, um, said that uh, Stuart Applebaum is is behind her, you know, that, that she has some labor support there. Um, do you have uh, allies in this in this negotiation that includes so many players on this chessboard, but really winds up coming down to the council members, you know, voting uh, for one of their own? But but do you have allies? I know you've been close with the Hotel Trades Council. Are there are there allies outside the council members that you are relying on to, you know, sort of speak to your credentials and help you sort of whip the the votes you need? Well, look, let me let me let me, let me say this right. Um, one, uh, I, I get along with all of my colleagues uh, that, that are in this um, uh, race here. Um, I, I, I 
I just think we have a different idea of how to lead here. Um, I will address one thing. I am a, uh, a member in Queens and I am a district leader in, in Queens as well. Uh, I have not gotten that from my county leader, who is also Greg Meeks, that says that he is firmly behind uh, Adrian Adams. I think we are all going through a process here. Uh, and so uh, I love my sister, Adrian Adams, but uh, that is not something that I've heard. Okay, um, noted. But I will say this. Look, I think, you know, uh, we, we, we will all hopefully coalesce together because I think it's important that um, when we do uh, elect the next speaker, um, I, I believe it will be me. Uh, and I hope that I can get the support from my colleagues to, to be there to lend uh, my expertise here. I think it, it is based on uh, the real experience that I was talking to you about and um, years of, of, of really formulating a lot of uh, good and strong relationships. Look, at my core, my, my strongest base has always been uh, organized labor. Um, I have been the person that has stood up um, for many of the issues that we care about, um, at both at the, the city and at the state uh, level. Uh, to me, uh, it is really more about uh, talking to uh, the, the new members. Uh, we, we have a, a very growing uh, number of supporters that are coming, like I said, from a very broad political spectrum uh, that are uh, getting behind the candidacy for me as speaker. Uh, And I think that they will all uh, uh, play a role here. And I think that, you know, uh, I I will always hope that my brothers and sisters in labor uh, come in strong support of my candidacy. But we still have a long process to go. And I think everyone is making their case here. Uh, And I think that it is not just one individual that um, will be able to uh, uh, dictate which way it goes. It really is about a coalition that gets built, um, a coalition that... will stem from organized labor to uh, the uh, counties uh, coming together as well. Um, and uh, a lot of the members who will be able to voice uh, their uh, opinions of who they want to see as uh, their next speaker to help them lead uh, this body. And uh, I, I believe that we are making a very strong case that uh, we are there. Uh, and I really look forward to uh, continue to work with them and, and work with our allies uh, as we go through the process of picking the next speaker. And very lastly, I got to let you go, but um, you haven't mentioned this, but um, clearly there's been a lot of discussion about the importance of Latino representation in sort of a citywide role. It's obviously not a citywide elected position by the public, but it's a citywide role as speaker. How important is that to this equation in your mind and your pitch to colleagues of having Latino representation at that citywide power table? Look, I think that um, to me, it 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 is uh, a moment in in our city where uh, we need uh, real leadership. Uh, we need leadership that um, comes to play with uh, uh, the experience to get us through some some difficult times uh, to coalesce our members and and really bring folks together. I think I bring that, and I happen to be Latino. Um, to me, really, uh, it is uh, an important piece for us to recognize the contributions of uh, Latino elected leaders uh, in the city uh, and across the state. Uh, we are making up now uh, almost close to 30, uh, a little under 30 percent of the electorate here in the city of New York. Um, and I think it's important that the uh, leadership uh, across the state and the city be reflective of uh, 
the the, the people that live here in New York. Um, and mm -hmm. I am really looking forward to uh, being able to represent uh, my Latino community uh, as the next speaker of the city council. Uh, and I think that we really have uh, a real case to be made that a, a Latino um, or Latina should be the next speaker. Francisco Moya, appreciate the time. We'll be talking with you more here in the coming weeks. Uh, no matter how this council speaker race goes, we'll, we'll stay in touch. But thanks so much for taking some time, and, uh, and we'll, we'll be in touch. Thanks so much, Ben. Right. Really appreciate right. it. Take Thank care. You.